Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. The Farm Answers Podcast takes a deeper look at projects funded by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture's Beginning Farm and Rancher Development Program and how they are reaching beginning farmers and ranchers. Hi, Margaret. Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So today we have Margaret DeVos, who is part of the Southside Community Land Trust. And Margaret, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Southside Community Land Trust, maybe what you do there and who you serve? For um, Southside Community Land Trust is an organization we've been around for 41 years. Oh, my gosh. 1981. And what we do now is we help people grow food for their families and for sale to their neighbors. And our work is with beginning farmers, with community gardeners, with young people, with neighbors, with um, medical clinics, with community organizations to build out a local food system for um, people and communities that really have been left behind and don't have access to fresh, healthy, and affordable food. We're putting structures in place locally in the communities where we work to address the impacts of those of, of trying to live without access to fresh, healthy, affordable food. That's really impressive that you started in 1981 doing this. That, I mean, it sounds like you were a bit ahead of your time or the organization well, was. I think that the organization at the time was responding to blight and abandonment in South Providence. If you were to look mm. at the view of the neighborhood, you would have seen that um, many structures were missing, many properties where there had been houses, businesses um, were still vacant. And what happened was there were plenty of people it, um, where we were um, founded were founded with the creation of a community garden, Somerset Community Garden. And um, right in that neighborhood, there were plenty of mostly African-American families. Many had left, many stayed. And there was so much land and people were saying, what, we need to take action. And so a whole bunch of organizations actually are, are, um, were started right around the same time um, in our neighborhood, in that South Providence neighborhood. But um, Ours was this group of families coming together with Hmong refugees, people who were moving in after the Vietnam War, who had settled mm-hmm. in Providence with a huge um, agricultural background, right? So Hmong refugees, African-American families, and, you know, mix in some Brown University students. Um, so Brown is located, Brown University is located in Providence. That yes, because you're in Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Providence, Rhode Island. And so that made some magic, started a community garden was the first thing. The second thing was an urban farm. Then the organization has now grown to, we host a network of about 60 community organi- or community gardens, urban farms, and now rural farms in South Providence. And then in other communities, other neighborhoods, other towns, very close mm-hmm. to like um, other inner city towns, and also some of our para-urban suburbs well so we're spreading out i still think you were way ahead of your time starting a community garden back in the early 80s but that's interesting that you know the people where you 
where you live recognize like, hey, there something's going on here. There's a lot of people leaving. There's open land. Let's do something. And then tying it in with um, I'm in the Minneapolis area, but there's a very strong Hmong population here, too. And you're right. They came with very strong agricultural background. So many of them here yeah. farm as well. So yeah. uh, really insightful work. Um, we should talk about, though, what, what's the project that you did with beginning farmers. Can you tell me about it? And then, um, you know, you guys have been around for over 40 years. So why was it needed at this time? Well, so Rhode Island for the last decade plus has had the most expensive, the, the agricultural land in Rhode Island costs more than any other place in the country. Any really? other place. Even Hawaii, even Hawaii. Hawaii. I'm sure it's pretty close. Yes. And Hawaii. you're smaller than Hawaii. We discussed yeah. this offline. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So most expensive land in the country for agricultural land. We have a very small ag sector. Um, most of our agriculture is in turf grass. Um, and there's aren't there's not a really big, well built out network of ag service organizations as a result of all of these dynamics. But in um, Providence, there are a lot of people who come to Providence as immigrants and refugees who have a great talent, capacity, inclination to farm. And so we met all of them because we were operating mostly community gardens about 15 years ago, mostly community gardens, but and people were community gardening and then being very successful, very successful, wanting to farm, wanting to farm. So our whole, um, reason for creating this project and a whole section of our organization is to really support that group of people to become um, farmers because why should they go you know work at McDonald's or work in a laundry or works you know work in mm -hmm. some other um, uh, <clears throat> job when they've got all this talent <laughs> and love. Yeah, no, this makes sense. So yeah, like it's nice. Like I'm growing a community garden. I'm in, uh, participating in this community garden. I'm growing some nice fresh food for those around me and for my family. And it's a good gig, but I could do so much more than this. And I want to do so much more. So enter yeah. in. So you guys like you kind of expanded your scope in some ways too, it sounds like. Well, it, it, they expanded it. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was just really a matter of, um, connecting the dots to see what the what people where where was the energy and how do we direct some resources in this direction and we found you know we found the usda yay <laughs> nice work that. um but i would also say that the flip the other side of that is we've got a ton of people who aren't immigrants or refugees who are people who are mostly african-american families or latin well latinx are mostly i mean people have been immigrating from um uh Central American cult, uh, countries to Providence for a very long time. But people who have lived here for their families have been in Rhode Island for generations really understand this community and really mm. help with marketing and building out the local food system in a way that serves, that really connects these farmers to consumers. So we have those two things going for us as an organization, both the refugee and immigrants that with, that come with the ag expertise and the folks in the community who are like, I know how to make these connections happen. And so that's what that's what's happening at Southside Community Land Trust that really makes um, that that makes uh, makes it all come together. 
No, that sounds good. You found synergy. You found mm-hmm. like salespeople and you found technical people and you made this beautiful <laughs> marriage between the two. So yeah. yeah, that sounds amazing. So how does your program help beginning farmers? You kind of have alluded to it, like land access is an, a major issue in Rhode Island, but can you tell me a little bit more about that or if there's other ways in which you're helping beginning farmers? Yeah, well, farmers are interested in working with us because we're a land trust and we place people on property. We have um, community gardens, we have urban farms. All of these are in the uh, towns of Providence, mostly South Providence. Pawtucket is another one of the cities, which is an adjacent city to Providence and Central Falls also. Most of our urban properties, our urban properties are all in Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls. And, um, but with the expansion of our beginning farmer training, beginning farmer programs, we now are operating two rural farms in a town a little bit further away called Cranston that has a bunch of farmland. It's, it's one of those suburbs that's both urban and rural. Mm-hmm, and I understand. Our giant. Anyway, um, uh, so what, so how do we help them? So land, so people can't simply just can't afford to buy land, build out farms, pay back, even, you know, even FSA loans, like they just can't afford to, to do that, all that land and farm development and infrastructure development and, and grow food, you know, farming is hard. Um, and then when you have to develop all that infrastructure, it's even harder. So we're a land trust. We make properties and equipment available for people. Uh, We also then, on top of that, provide training and technical assistance. And the training really is focused around um, adapting practices to the Rhode Island climate, adapting practices given climate change is happening, um, using chemical-free, practicing chemical-free sustainable agriculture. That's a, that's a, practice on all of our properties. And it's something that um, farmers are um, inclined towards. Many of the farmers that we work with are inclined towards. They're not, they're small scale farmers. They're not really interested in using heavy chemicals and pesticides anyway. Um, so we work with folks to, to, to successfully implement um, practices on very small scale in our climate using um, sustainable farming methods. Like I know quite a bit about like what you can do from a row crop standpoint, doing cover cropping or no-till, things like that. But you're, you're talking more, we're growing fresh produce. What are some of the practices then that these farmers are using or that you guys are teaching? Well, every, well, so certainly water conservation is a very big one. That's a big us. one right now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, we do um, row cover. So we mm. eliminate bugs by covering, um, by covering crops with, um, with um, remay and other um, fabrics. We do a lot of mulching, working with mulching to keep pests down and water in and soil healthy so you can have healthy plants. Um, so lots of straw mulching and um, then, then building, building soil. So we help to do a lot of um, soil purchasing, compost purchasing, um, a, not that much in terms of other additives, 
um, that we do, but all, but when we do make a recommendation, it's organic. That's one thing that we help people do though, is getting those, um, getting those, um, uh, resources in quantities that are affordable for people. It's really that they're not scaled for somebody who's um, growing on a quarter or a half of an acre. But that's what the farmers that start with us, at least, those are the acreages that are available to them. So we do a lot of bulk buying and breaking it up. Got it. You are an aggregator. And I think that's probably, I mean, I imagine some folks know some of these techniques, but just being able to bring the, the latest and the greatest along with at an affordable price, that sounds like mm-hmm. a win all the way around. Do you yeah. have um, any stories of farmers that you've helped in this program, like a specific example or just, you know, broadly speaking? Yeah, yeah, sure. I would just say, though, for us we have a whole nother side of it, which is where we're trying to make sure that that food gets to people who are buying it and eating it and mm. it's affordable for the people eating and buying it. So at the beginning, I talked about a local food system that was affordable. Yes. So that's why keeping the land affordable, keeping recess resources affordable. That's why we're so uh, focused on farmer success because um the far, if the farmers can be successful and keep growing the food and earn just an, uh, earn enough money to stay in the game, and you know we're building out a food system kind of all the way across from the from the land all the way across with lots of partners. Full supply chain end to end. Yeah, yeah. So that it's all affordable, so yeah. people can eat. So people can eat healthy food. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's uh, as I've interviewed different people for the podcast. I mean, this has been actually a really common theme like there's a need to teach people how to farm but then also like there's a need in the area for people to have access to fresh healthy food so across the entire supply chain folks are trying to create something and so you know it's multifaceted it's not just well now people can farm and you know i've created a nice lifestyle for them it's also now people can you know that lived in a food desert have access to good food and they can be healthier and and even as far as you mentioned clinics there's some people working with um, outside organizations to provide that next level of um, health benefits to to the recipients of the program. So I think it's it's amazing work. It sounds like really challenging work at times and possibly slow work too, just as you try to get all these people, you know, across the supply chain connected and together. But I think it's yeah. really amazing people are doing it too. So I'm glad you highlighted that, um, that that was a part of your program too. Do you have any good stories you want to share? Well, I have a bunch, but the first one that came to mind is Edith. Edith um, is uh, probably, she's probably in her 60s, Liberian woman, came to Providence probably about five years ago. And um, we had a garden that another organization had built, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago that had fallen into disrepair. And we were sort of struggling with how do we get this, you know, it was on the list of gardens and, and Edith came and she handled it <laughs> Really, with all this, with her whole network of people um, in her family and her friends. Um, I mean, obviously we brought some money to the table. We brought a little bit of heavy equipment, but she just organized the whole place. She, I love that, it. You know, she got the plots, but, but, and she also is a nurse. I'm not sure what all the letters are behind her mm-hmm. name. 
she's a nurse. And so for her full-time job, she's a nurse. She's organizing this whole community garden sort of as a volunteer effort. And so she can grow food and have her passion and share it with her family and her community. But you know, the community garden wasn't enough for her. She's now farming <laughs> at one of our farms in Cranston, Urban Edge Farm. Wow. And she's also taking advantage of our, um, we have an aggregation program where about 15 farmers sell into a, um, they just drop off their produce with us. They drop off their produce with us and we, and we, you know, um, we you do like community supported agriculture or something, CSAs? Sort of like that. Yeah, we get, okay. we have, we actually have, wholesale clients and we, Oh, wow. Yeah. We deliver to them. So, um, huge, huge, um, success, Edith, very fast. She went through it very fast and she's operating her own. Probably she's probably only on an acre at this point, but she went from nothing to an acre in about five years. I like that. You're like, Edith just took care of it. I need an Edith (laughs) in my life. That's what I'm thinking. Like, and that was probably a really unexpected result too, right? You find those people that are passionate, but then they also have these strengths, right? Of connecting the dots of, um, oh, the, if you know strength finders like the woo, they're able to attract people and get them excited about their program, right? Edith yeah. sounds like a wooer to me a little bit and an achiever if we're going through strength finders. Got all those strengths, all of them. Check, 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 check. So that's, but that's kind of the story of how it happens often. Somebody, it, they just latch on to it and they're able to just take it and run and then yeah. become yeah. a larger farmer. Yeah. That's really cool. That's awesome. Um, so how do people engage with your program? If I'm somebody who is interested in beginning to farm, how do I engage with your program? Well, you can find us at southsideclt.org. And there's a section of our website that you know describes the different programs that we have for farmers. Um, there's also a section of our, if you don't want to be a farmer, you can always just buy, (laughs) you can always just buy from our farmers. That's great too. We have a list of restaurants. We have a list of farmers markets where they're selling. We have a list of CSAs, not our farmers, farmers who, you know, who we work with. Um, so, um, there's a, there's a couple of different ways. If you want to be a farmer though, typically we start with really trying to get people, get people a place to grow food. And then, you know, providing a lot of a lot of one-on-one technical assistance. The farmers that we work with, our our methodology for getting it for growing farmers in order to serve our community is really not. We don't do come to a workshop. We're gonna tell you some things, and then you're on your own. It's very much okay. Here's the land. Here's you. What do you want to grow? And how can we work? with you to provide you with resources and some information to refine your work so that you're most successful. So you're very one-on-one. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I would say right now we are for the last six years, we've been very production oriented land and production oriented. Oh, that sounds great. So go to the website, southsidecLT.org and there's resources there, but whether I know how to farm or not, you can help me figure that out. Yeah, sure. I mean, we have a woman who wanted to be a garlic farmer. She loved garlic. And, you know, she started on a little parcel and she's, you know, we gave her, you know, we, we had room. She didn't take, need a lot of room, but she just, she's a garlic farmer. 
I don't know how that works. But. That's really cool. So she really knew nothing, but wanted to start farming. Gar- no, I think that's great. I, I don't know. Sometimes you have an idea and you're excited about it and that's, that's all you really need. So it sounds like you guys are doing fantastic work in, in Rhode Island with the communities that you serve. And I can definitely hear the passion in your voice. So you mentioned um, your website, southsideclt.org. Uh, are there any other places where people can um, learn more about your organization? Where are you at on social media? Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. We have Facebook. We, we are Instagramming. We're tweeting. It's all Southside CLT. Okay. So your handle is Southside CLT. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Margaret. I really enjoyed our conversation and and best of luck in your work. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the chance to talk about it. Thank you for listening to the Farm Answers podcast. This episode was hosted by Betty Burning, produced by Curtis Monken and Jeff Reisdorfer. Listen and subscribe to the Farm Answers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major streaming platforms. Tell your smart device to play the Farm Answers podcast. To learn more about this USDA NIFA BFRDP project and other projects, visit farmanswers.org. The Farm Answers podcast and farmanswers.org are funded by the United States Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture, and are a product of the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota. 